welcome everybody to an informed live radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager. And yes, indeed, we do need a revolution, a revolution of love, as the song says, a revolution of light, a light on truth, on facts, on knowledge, on everything an individual needs to know to live an informed life and to make informed decisions. And there's an awful lot at stake and um, a lot of monkey business going on with um, information out there. Um, You know, it seems like anytime mankind invents something, uh, no sooner do they figure out how to do something wonderful with it than somebody else figures out how to do something nefarious with it. And, you know, this whole digital revolution is so exciting. You've got the world at your fingertips, at the computer, on your phone. Um, But it also means on the flip side that everything that you were shown and that you've seen, somebody has the ability to alter or skew or uh, turn in the direction that they want. And it, it takes a whole lot of vigilance and work these days to to try to find truth and facts. And, you know, we're hoping here on Informed Life Radio to be one of those places you can come get information. I don't want people to just take my word for anything I say or that of my guests. I want this to be your starting point. I want you to hear what we say and then go out into the world and go read broadly, deeply, and think critically, and then make your own decisions. That's what um, makes an informed life. That's what makes for a republic, a democracy. That's what how freedom works. You know, I always say, don't defer to authority, refer to authority, but then do your own homework. You know, okay. So, as a reminder, a great place to go get information is um, Informed Choice Washington, informedchoicewa.org. Uh, we do our best to try to keep you up to date with the latest information of what's going on in the medical freedom movement with informed consent, everything COVID. Uh, you know, we're just really trying to give you what you can. Of course, we can't cover everything. There's so much news. Another place to visit is Children's Health Defense, childrenshealthdefense.org. They've got fantastic information. Um, And to learn and follow what's going on in this COVID chaos, I highly recommend every Thursday at 11 um, a.m. Pacific time, you tune into The High Wire, thehighwire.com, where Del Bigtree will give you an hour or two or three, depending on how long he goes on, uh, of the latest information. And the really cool thing is he doesn't want you to trust him either. So he brings on expert guests. And then the following Monday, you get an email if you've signed up. And in that email is all of the science and all of the information he told you, you go explore yourself and you decide what makes sense to you. I just, I just love that. Um, Yesterday here in Washington state, the department of health had a vaccine advisory committee meeting. They meet regularly and, you know, more and more, I, I hate to say it. These are, these are good people who really believe they're doing the right thing. But here's the thing. There's one thing to believe in the idea of vaccination, that you give somebody something, you prevent them from maybe having serious disease later on. It's a noble, good idea. But when it crosses the line from believing in an idea or a theory to sort of a religion is when you begin to promote and advertise and compel 
and figuring out advertising messages to get people to trust a vaccine product that hasn't even been through phase three trial studies yet. And that's what we were hearing in this meeting, figuring out how to distribute, who should get it, and how they're going to convince people who are hesitant to get it. And we don't even know if these things are safe and effective yet. It's very appalling, the religious worship of these products. Um, it's concerning. And, and, and this religious fervor for it is so strong that on this committee, they actually have the CEO of the Washington State Pharmacy Association. And when they read out the conflict of interest, she does not raise her hand. Nobody does. Everybody on that panel makes a living in some regards from the sale, distribution, use of vaccines. You know, you're supposed to declare. And I don't know how anybody could be more conflicted than the CEO of the Washington State Pharmacy Association. So I'm just saying, do your homework, make informed decisions. Um, it's kind of a crazy world out there, but uh, we can get through this. And I feel like this COVID chaos if we all stay aware and alert and informed and educate each other, uh, we can come out of this better, stronger, and um, you know, a, a better nation, a better healthcare system, better public health that is not so entangled with the pharmaceutical industry. Okay, that's enough of my uh, my preaching today. So go go visit informedchoicewa.org um, and do your homework. Um, I've got a wonderful guest today. So today. Today, we're all about healing. I'm really excited about um, this show today. Uh, this show is dedicated to uh, a particular sponsor, my beloved sister. Uh, thank you so much for uh, bringing uh, Beth to us today to talk about this really important topic. So yes, my Beth, my, my Beth, hello. My guest is Beth, and to make sure I get this right, Beth Zupek-Kanya. Did I do it? Okay, she's nodding, yes. Um, Beth is a world-renowned ketogenic expert, clinician, and speaker. She is a registered and certified dietitian and nutritionist. For 30 years, I'm looking at this woman thinking, no way she could be doing this for 30 years, but she has coached medical professionals, patients, and families through safe and effective use of nutritional ketosis for neurological disorders, certain cancers, and other metabolic-based conditions that require careful formulation and laboratory surveillance. Alongside her private practice, she is the primary consultant for the Charlie Foundation, and her work is about health and hope. Welcome, Beth, to an Informed Life Radio. Thank you, Bernadette. I'm just so thrilled that you're, you're here today. Can, to start it off, can you kind of tell listeners how you got to be, get this job, why, why this? Well, I had been working with ketogenic diets for epilepsy at the Children's Hospital in Wisconsin, which is near where Jim Abrams lived before he became a Hollywood writer and director and moved to Los Angeles. So I'm mentioning him because in 1994, Jim and Nancy started the Charlie Foundation after their son Charlie recovered from his medication-resistant epilepsy by using the ketogenic diet. So Jim produced a movie starring Meryl Streep called First Do No Harm. Yes. And it was a uh, dramatization of a true story about a child very similar to Charlie with uncontrolled epilepsy that didn't respond to medications, 
but he became seizure-free after starting a ketogenic diet therapy. So Jim had contacted several hospitals, including the one I was at, and asked if we would run a hotline after the movie aired. And of course, we said yes. And um, well, we had our waiting list wow. <laughs> for the year all set up because our phones were just ringing off the hook. Um, and then Jim contacted me soon after to organize a training where I would teach other nutritionists. And that led to me eventually training hospitals around the world. That, that is so exciting. And I did recently rewatch that movie, um, First Do No Harm. It had been a while since I had seen it. It's just, it's so moving, that power of, you know, a mom's love, you know, and devotion and unwillingness to give up, right? And there's a scene, I don't know how true it is to, to real life, but there's a scene where she's in the doctor's office and the, and the doctors are trying to talk her out of attempting this diet. And they're saying, well, there's no published, randomized, peer-reviewed studies showing it works. And she looks at them and says, are there any published, randomized, peer-reviewed studies showing that what you want to do to him work? Silence. No, they had nothing, right? So she was just, you know, the, the mom, that character, so brave and, and, and strong. And, you know, nobody fights harder than a, than a mom for their kids, you know? Right. Mom, we talk about mama bears all the time, and Meryl did an excellent job of portraying mothers in that film. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so tell us then what, what exactly is a ketogenic diet? Well, there are several variations of ketogenic diets, and I like to add the term therapies to highlight that it's much more than just a diet and that it should be prescribed and monitored by a medical professional um, but I want to digress just for okay. a moment and clarify the term ketogenic. So first, we get energy from the food we eat, right? Mm -hmm. And another word for energy is fuel. So if we compare ourselves to a car, we can say that most cars today get energy or fuel from gasoline. But the new hybrid cars can use gasoline or they can use electricity. They can switch back and forth, right? This is also true for our bodies. We can switch back and forth from glucose, which is the fuel that comes from carbs, and ketones, which is the fuel that comes from fat. In fact, all of us have experienced the switch before when we've been unable to eat due to an illness, or maybe you fasted for religious purposes. And when you fast, your body is able to switch over to using its own fat stores for energy and then it makes ketones. So fasting is the premise behind ketogenic diets. And since we can't fast forever, um, this diet was designed to imitate fasting 100 years ago wow. by providing a diet that is high in fat. So there's a long track record for this diet, um, mostly for epilepsy, but it was actually um, used that long ago for cancer. And now there's been a reemergence of that use. Yeah, in fact, that reminds me of years ago, I, I had a, oh, yeah, well, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to finish with, so to answer your first, your question, what is a ketogenic diet? The answer is that it's a diet that's rich in natural fats, moderate in protein, and low enough in carbohydrate to fuel this ketosis. Okay. 
Very good. Well, yeah. And, and what you reminded me of when you mentioned cancer was I had done some research a few years ago, looking at different cancer drugs that a, a friend going, you know, fighting cancer. And I kept reading that in the clinical trials, the gold standard for something that worked against cancer was fasting. It was the gold standard. And I didn't understand why they weren't putting all the cancer patients on the gold standard instead of trying to develop drugs to match it. Nothing rose to that, to the level of the fasting, you know? Um, it's, it's fabulous how our bodies know how to heal. If we give it the right um, conditions, uh, you know, the right fuel, the right nutrients, the right situation. It's it, to me, it's just so fascinating, but as you kind of, you know, hinted at the beginning, if you do this really severely, not just moderately like a ketogenic diet, but if you do it as therapy, there might be some dangers there. So you have to be monitored, right? Yes. And, and I preach that because um, as a health professional working with thousands of people that have gone through this, I have seen some of the adverse effects, um, but they can be prevented. So that's what we talk to people about, you know, there's adverse effects, but we can prevent these and this is what you need to do. Um, so that, that prefaces anybody that's going on a ketogenic therapy for a medical condition. And, and uh, list some of the things that you have found it to be helpful. Well, it is uh, helpful, of course, for neurological conditions um, like epilepsy, of course, but um, other neurological conditions, including migraine headache, autism, um, cognitive deficits, um, even psychiatric disorders, and then certain cancers, especially the glioblastoma brain cancer, which is a very devastating cancer. And um, so the, most of the research in cancer has been on that particular one. Wow, that's amazing. So is it known what the mechanism of action is? you know, when you go into this state? Yeah, so there's not one mechanism, there's multiple. That's what okay. scientists have agreed on. Okay. And the jargon is highly technical, but what I can tell you is that what these mechanisms have um, primarily is a powerful anti-inflammatory effect. And that most profoundly occurs in the brain, which is why it wor works well. So for many neurological disorders, but in other organs too, like your digestive tract, okay, your gut, which leads me to another benefit. It can improve your immune function. So our digestive tract is our main immune organ. Um, and another powerful effect is that the amount of energy produced in the tiny, tiny cells of the brain called mitochondria, mm -hmm. we see that this effect almost immediately in people who start making ketones, um, begins to um, improve. They often become brighter and more alert within 24 hours of going into ketosis. So that's a really soon um, 24 benefit. hours. Yeah, right. Wow. Almost immediately we see okay. that. So that's what oftentimes gets people motivated to stick with it because it's not an easy diet to follow. Mm -hmm. But when they start experiencing some improvement in energy and alertness, in themselves or in their child, for example, um, they get excited and they want to continue. Is it possible for people who are uh, vegan to um, be on this diet? It is possible. 
Um, it is easier if you're vegetarian and can include some type of dairy products, um, but it is possible for vegan. I've uh, worked with several vegans that have um, been successful. Mm -hmm. um, it just means consuming more fat, usually what I call free form fat, like drinking coconut oil instead of trying to put it all in your food, which sometimes mm -hmm. isn't that appetizing, but it is possible. Wow. Um, would it help for people who are, are experiencing um, issues, lingering issues from concussion? There's early research on that. And once again, because that's a neurological disorder, this diet can have an anti-inflammatory effect on the brain, which promotes healing, right? Mm -hmm. So a concussion mm -hmm. can take a long time to heal from weeks, months, even, even years. Yeah. So yeah. um, some early research, I, I worked with a young man who played hockey and hit his head multiple times, but he had several concussions. And the last one he had knocked him out of playing for a long time. They said, mm -hmm. play. You, you have to, you know, take a break from this. And um, he learned about the ketogenic diet and got help with it. And his, you know, he just felt so much better. You know, he, he didn't feel like he was in fog. He was able to reduce his um, depression medication. And um, so he, he was a big believer and, and we were able to steer him to some researchers to learn a little bit more, but yeah, early research in there, but promising. That's exciting. It seems like Potentially, it could be paired with, say, HBOT therapy, hyperbaric oxygen treatment, which is really good for so many of the same issues that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so if you combine, you know, what you're consuming with the oxygen therapy, it seems like you might hit a home run on, on some of these things. It's very exciting. Now, um, so you're telling me, um, and that was one of my questions for you, is the diet can help heal even with um, ver from various causes. So we've got physical trauma, like concussion or playing football or something. And then you've got um, iatrogenic trauma, say from a poison, from um, a drug reaction, from a vaccine adverse reaction, that sort of thing. All of these can cause neurological symptoms, seizures, and the diet, no matter what the cause you're saying can help. Yeah, so ketones don't discriminate. <laughs> They're an equal opportunity fuel. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if the seizure is from, is in somebody that has epilepsy, which just means chronic seizures, or somebody that had a seizure because they got hit in the head. Um, it, it still has the same potential to benefit. Um, and I think, you know, this is evolving quickly. I do think one of the goals for some researchers is to make products, which I, I know it is, I'm not guessing, I know that that is mm -hmm. the goal for, for um, some scientists. So um, it, I mean, it is truly exciting and to know that the diet has been around for a hundred years, but we're really just starting to get some traction in terms of using it outside of epilepsy, the original application. Um, so it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Give me an idea of if somebody's, you know, going seriously on this under your guidance or, or professional guidance, what would a typical day's worth of food look like? Okay, let's say, let me pick somebody with migraine headache. 
Okay. And I just finished a paper on this, so it's fresh in my head. And I worked with a woman who started developing migraines when she was 34 years old after the birth of her second child. She was tried on three or four different medications, including anti-seizure medications, which they use for migraine. And it really didn't help. Um, she tried, she was a, a very physically active um, person exercising regularly. She wasn't overweight, actually she was very fit. And she found a paper about um, a study on using ketogenic diet therapy for women in Italy. And she came to me and I said, you know, I think this, we should try it and, and I'm going to help you do that. Um, she had significant improvement. She was able to come off of her medication that she was on. Um, her migraines reduced from about four or five a, a month to maybe one a month right before her period. So she just felt tremendously better. Um, and she's gone about a year with only a couple of migraines and she knows what the triggers are. Wine is a big trigger for her, <laughs> which yeah. also is a big source of carbohydrates. So she, you know, she tries to mitigate when she's going to have wine. She fasts for a little while in advance to get her ketones up. So you learn to do those kinds of things. Um, but I would say she follows a quite liberal ketogenic diet compared to some of my clients who have epilepsy, who want to be in a very sustained level of ketosis all the time and don't want to cheat, you know, and they, mm -hmm. they don't cheat, they can trigger a seizure and they don't want to be in that predicament. So mm -hmm. there's these variations of, um, of restriction and, um, you know, being liberal that go along with whatever, whatever you're seeking improvement for. Wow. Um, I had a question and it just flew right out of my, oh, you were going to give me an idea of the food. Yes. Oh, yes. So for example, for this lady, she eats, um, and I'll give you one of her vegan meals because she likes, she doesn't do completely vegan. She kind of does um, what I would say 50-50 vegan. So about mm -hmm. half of her meals are vegan, half are not. Mm -hmm. So breakfast is an easy meal for her to do vegan. Um, she has um, hemp seeds, which you can get at any, you know, most grocery store now carries. And she uses hemp seeds, flax seeds, and a little chia seeds to make like a porridge and then coconut oil and um, uh, a little bit of avocado oil. So two different fats and then about a tablespoon of blueberries um, and some cinnamon and that's her breakfast. And there's significant protein in that. There's a lot of fat because she's usually about five tablespoons of total fat and it's very filling and it keeps her full until lunch. Uh, let me give you an idea of her lunch, um, a tuna salad in a lettuce leaf wrapped up with some celery, lots of avocado mayonnaise, uh, maybe a little bit of sauerkraut on the side as a, you know, a, a, a vegetable, a high probiotic vegetable. And then dinner time, she's a Canadian, so she often has salmon. Um, with uh, sauteed vegetables on the side and then drizzled in olive oil. Um, and maybe a salad to go along with that. So that's very typical for her. That sounds fabulous, actually, to me. <laughs> Delicious and healthy. Although I worry a little bit about tuna too much because of the dang mercury. But um, yeah, that's that's not too bad. And you say that's kind of a moderate 
um, moderate diet. I, I could do that. I might give that a try this winter. So on a moderate, not, not to the severity, I would need a supervision, but, um, you know, really a lot of good nutrients in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I want to just make a point about because there can be bad ketogenic diets. And I've seen people eat poorly, like they're just eating processed foods and counting their macros. And, you know, I dissuade people from doing that because, if we're talking about healing your microbiome, we want real food and mostly plant-based food, right? Not Cheerios and, you know, right. processed granola bars that are low in carb. Oh, exactly. Our cells are made out of what we eat, literally, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we, what happens if you stop eating, you just eventually would turn to dust, you know, we're literally made out of the food we eat. It's so funny. I was on this one blog post where they like to argue they're sort of pro- pharma pro GMO and all this stuff. And I, and I, and I said, you're literally made of the food you eat. And somebody posted, that's a myth. I'm like, how can that be a myth? <laughs> Just cracked me up. But uh, yeah, so the quality of the food is so important in doing this. I mean, I think probably the people who are choosing, um, not healthy fats. I mean, their goal might be just to lose a lot of weight fast. They're not really doing it for health. They're doing it for uh, weight loss. And I, you know, you gotta, you gotta really figure out what's important in life health. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I find that some people that just want to jumpstart losing weight, you know, that's a big hurdle right there. And then they start feeling better and then they feel like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting this. I'm losing weight. Maybe I'll start choosing better foods too. Yeah. And that, you know, so it's, it's a step by step. Um, and I always say for adults, we have to do baby steps when it comes to changing lifestyle and diet, of course, um, because we don't do good with quick changes. No, we don't. And you know, that's a, a good place to leave things. I, I, I think one of the hardest things to change is your food because it, it gives it, you, it, it, it's an emotional thing. You bond with it. It speaks to your childhood. It's that little bit of pleasure throughout the day. There's just so many things about food and it makes it so difficult to change. And I thank my mother every single day because she raised all of us girls to be kind of health nuts. We were raised that way. And, you know, and I just, I thank her for that because it's not difficult for me to choose the right foods, you know? So thank you, mama. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to um, an informed life radio on 1150 a KKNW. We'll be back in a few minutes. Did you know that in 1986, Congress passed the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, granting liability protection to drug companies for injuries and deaths caused by their vaccine products recommended to children? Did you know injuries and deaths of pregnant women and their unborn children were added to the act in 2016? Did you know that on February 4th, 2020, drug companies who make COVID-19 vaccines were placed under the liability protection of the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, known as the PrEP Act? To learn the history of how we got here in order to protect yourself now and in the future, you must see the film, 1986, The Act. 
Go to 1986theact.com today. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Need information about your child's vaccinations? Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization of parents, family members, medical professionals, educators, and Washingtonians from all walks of life. They believe in personal freedoms and individual choices, including healthcare choices. Their mission is to advocate for vaccine policy reform based on scientific integrity and individual health needs, to promote education about healthy immunity, and to protect informed consent and medical freedom in Washington state. To stay informed, visit informedchoicewa.org. Informed Choice Washington envisions the future where every doctor is fully trained in identifying vaccine risk factors and recognizing vaccine injury. Every child is afforded a personalized approach to disease prevention, and every parent has the freedom to make the best healthcare decisions for themselves and their families. They know every child matters. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. Welcome back to an informed live radio on 1150 AM KKNW. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and with me today is Beth Zubek-Kanya with, um, let's see, she's with the Charlie Foundation. And what's the other organization you're with, or is it just your own name? I Well, I have my own private practice called Ketogenic Therapies. Mm-hmm. And um, where are you based? In Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Okay. But people can contact you from anywhere and get some guidance. And yeah, so I was going to direct people um, to the Charlie Foundation website, which is simply charliefoundation.org. And if you pick the resources link at the top, you can find um, professionals that administer the diet as well as hospitals around the world that um, provide the diet. There's a map for the hospitals around the world. But um, there are several of us, um, most of these people I've mentored, and um, some of them specifically work with adults, some with children, and mm-hmm. you can kind of find out um, what suits you, but they work with people remotely uh, worldwide. Is it very challenging for parents like who have children with neurological disorders to keep their child on this diet? You know... everyone thinks it would be difficult, but it's amazing to me. It's just fascinating to see young children take to the diet and kind of guard the diet. You know, they don't Mm -hmm. want anything else. They just somehow know. And that's, you know, that's more true for like the under six group. 
um, once children become a little bit more independent and are out on their own, um, you know, they get a little bit more curious and they're interested in what other people are eating. But because the diet has been around for so long, we can come up with great alternatives, for example, for a chocolate birthday cake. We have a keto chocolate cake that looks just like a regular birthday cake, but it's made with uh, nut flour and it's, it's not very sweet. It's actually more of a bitter chocolate. But when you're in ketosis, your taste changes and you don't mm -hmm. have a desire for sweet things. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, most people find that they prefer savory foods once they're on a ketogenic therapy. So many children today not only um, deal with neurological um, injuries from this kind of polluted world, polluted world we're in, but they have food allergies. Mm -hmm. So are a lot of the foods, um, you know, uh, allergy friendly now, like my own son could eat the chia seeds and flax seed, which mm -hmm. he does. And what was the other one you mentioned? There was another seed. It's uh, in hemp my seed? hemp. It's in, those are all in my fridge, yeah. uh, but could not do the nuts, you mm -hmm. know, um, or any eggs or any dairy. And that's probably the case, but I imagine in a world full of foods, he could do coconut. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, there's, we can, um, take care of any type of food allergy. Uh, I find that people who think they have an intolerance, um, for example, uh, can't handle da uh, milk, dairy milk, but can handle goat milk, for example, mm -hmm. um, their guts get better over time, their microbiome gets healed, and they are able to tolerate what they said they couldn't tolerate before. Um, but part of that may be the healing of the gut, but also that the amounts of food are actually quite small. They're not drinking eight ounces mm. of milk, not mm -hmm. even goat milk. It might be two ounces because there's carbohydrate in there. Oh, I so, see. Yeah. So if you know anything about FODMAP um, and, you know, the carbs that can cause distress in people with um, colitis and irritable bowel, um, ketogenic diet therapy works very well for that. And because the amounts of food are small, we can eliminate a lot of those, um, those fruits and vegetables. In fact, we, it's easy to do keto without any fruit at all. Um, and just do it with low carb vegetables. So um, are supplements needed then? What about vitamin C and some other important nutrients if you're not? Right. Getting yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons we do recommend medical supervision, because um, especially in the early, very restrictive forms of keto for epilepsy, let's say, mm -hmm. where carb is like less than 10 grams a day, you cannot get the nutrients into that diet for a growing child. You can't get enough vitamin C, even if you've got broccoli and other high vitamin C vegetables in their diet, they're just not getting sufficient amounts because of the carb restriction. So mm -hmm. it needs to be supplemented. Mm -hmm. um, so we figure out, you know, a, a good profile of supplements that are carb free, because we mm -hmm. have to watch the carb and supplements and we have to watch the carbs and meds, we don't want to disturb this ketosis. So it needs to be supplemented. But typically, children are only on the diet for up to three years. So they're on the super strict, very low carb diet for about a year. And then we start tapering them off of that by giving them more carb and taking away the fat. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like they're on it forever. It's a, it's very controlled time where we believe that their brain and their gut is healing. And then once it's healed, you know, then we can go back to relaxing the restrictions. 
That is very exciting. So with the very young children, there's the possibility of a complete cure. Should we almost say that? I hate to use that word, but possibility of a cure um, where they go back to normal eating. Um, and I do know somebody who that happened to, and it's so fabulous. And um, But if you start this later, you're older, an older child or an adult. Is it possible, like the the woman that you mentioned with the migraine, um, she might always have to be on that. Is that true? Yes, yes. she's okay. accepted that. Okay. <laughs> she's tested that out quite a few times. And every time she thinks she can have a little more wine or a little bit more carb, she gets an, the feeling that a migraine is coming on. So um, yes, children are fortunate that young children especially are fortunate that um, it's temporary for them for epilepsy. Um, and then for older children and adults, it may not. Now, now brains continue to grow until kids are 20, 21, 22 even. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking about people over 22 that probably uh, need to be on it longer. And usually they're on a more liberal version. And to make it easier for them, sometimes um, we, we introduce like intermittent fasting, which is a way to jumpstart some ketones, um, especially if they kind of fell off the wagon at the end of the day and had an extra slice of, you know, butternut squash because <laughs> they just couldn't help themselves um, and their ketones went down. You know, they can hold off on eating for 12 or 16 hours and, and kind of recover that ketosis. So, you know, that's with, with these smart um, devices that we now have, it can instantly tell you your glucose and instantly tell you your ketones through either breath or blood or urine. Um, it's pretty easy to get a handle on it, just like a diabetic would monitor themselves to um, know when to take insulin and how much. Wow. And that just cracks me up that somebody would be splurging on an extra serving of squash. <laughs> Right. I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> suffering over extra serving of squash, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I guess when you're really feeling well, that anyway, very funny. Um, so, so can you give us some examples, you know, obviously you can't, you know, name names, but some general examples of cases to kind of, you know, let people know who has seen healing yeah. from this. So um, I can refer you to the Charlie Foundation to see to see testimonials because we have people sending them on, in all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and Charlie Abrams is who I talk about all the time, who is a perfect testimonial because he's now 28 and uh, he was on keto from age two to age six. So he was on a little bit longer than most kids, but they tried taking him off and the seizures came back, uh, came back so they put it back on mm -hmm. and then they waited a year and they took him off. So you know, it was five by the time they very, very gradually took him off the diet and he has not had a seizure since then. And he's 28 wow. and doesn't exactly follow a healthy diet. No, <laughs> he's a bachelor <laughs> and, you know, not really cooking. Um, but yeah, he's done exceptionally well. Um, and uh, you're right. It's uh, the medical professionals don't like to use the word cure. They like to say remission, right? For even for cancer, like you, mm -hmm. if you're cancer free, you usually say you're in remission. We don't really know if you're cured because what can happen in five years, we can't predict, right? So mm -hmm. the term usually used is remission. Um, and I think, you know, I think that's fair because it also reminds the person like, 
well, I haven't had a seizure in five years. Maybe I should just eat this candy bar, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. cured. <laughs> Maybe that candy bar would be what triggers a seizure. I, you know, I've seen yeah. it happen. Yeah. You know, and there, there's that, the truth about um, genetic susceptibility to, you know, environmental exposure, um, genetics loads a gun, but the environment pulls the trigger. And if, and you've already experienced something that, you, you know, your trigger got pulled, then, you know, you need to be a little extra careful moving through life. You know, there's just so much that has been learned. Um, do you have any, do you know of anybody, like you mentioned autism? Mm-hmm. Um, examples of yes, I I've worked with many children, young children with autism. Um, I have many stories. Uh, one little girl that I'm working with right now, the family actually gave me permission to talk about her, and um, she's quite um, uh, amazing because she was nonverbal and having seizures. When I started working with her, she was three. So I've been working with her just over two years now. So um, on layered on top of that, she was an extremely picky eater, which is very common with autism, right? She ate like four foods. Mm-hmm. And the family actually was really good. That This was their only child, and they were really careful not to push her to eat things. They just tried to provide healthy foods. Um, so getting her into ketosis was difficult because she never – ate butter, oil, cream, anything high in fat before. She actually was on a very low fat, high carb diet. But over time, um, she she put ketchup on everything, which is loaded with carb, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. how they would get her to eat her proteins. Mm-hmm. They, they would just give her three or four tablespoons of ketchup and she'd dip it in there and feed herself. Otherwise she wouldn't eat. So we started putting oil in her ketchup and then started reducing the ketchup, increasing the oil. And we got to the point where it was just oil and she liked salt in her, we put Himalayan salt in there and she liked using her finger to feel the salt crystals and she would lick her finger and she just started loving olive oil. Wow. (laughs) And she licked her plate. I mean, it was just like amazing. It took two months to get her to that point where most kids, it's like a week, we get them going. So anyways, um, she started talking within a week of going into ketosis, and I'm not saying sentences, she started talking like a baby would talk, saying uh, animal sounds, and then talking in two word phrases, talking in three word phrases, and the mom keeps sending me little um, videos of her saying, you know, I want olive oil, you know, or Mm -hmm. something, or she knows the, she knows her ABCs. It's just, and everyone is just like blown away that hadn't seen her before, because something is clicking in her brain, you know, and this is part of the, that energy, um, working in the brain where it hadn't been working well before. Um, so her autism still is still there and her seizures are, they don't see them anymore. She may be having some in the sleep. It's really hard to tell with kids. Um, but she's just like 90% better and the family's just thrilled that she can communicate now. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really huge. I think so many of the behaviors 
that are seen in autism is when they can't, you can't communicate. The frustration of not being understood is mm -hmm. so overwhelming. Just being able to express yourself probably is huge and in, in impacting everything else. Well, that's that. I'm so happy for that family. That is so exciting, and I, I hope their healing journey just continues on and on. And and tell them how grateful we are that they're willing to share the story of their daughter and inspire others to, to give this a try. What about um, like like ADHD, um, things like that that are so common now? Yes, uh, I can tell you a story about a little boy. I won't name him um, because I, it's been a long time since I've talked to the family, but he had epilepsy and ADHD. Um, and um, <laughs> his ADHD got way better mm -hmm. and the epilepsy did not. Interesting. Yes. So actually, we've seen that a couple times where the brightness and alertness is just significantly better, but the seizures are still there. So, you know, the families usually say, we'll take this. <laughs> this is better than what we had, you know, yeah. maybe come off of some of these behavior meds and see what else we've got here. Um, so, you know, it's a very individual thing, but mm -hmm. it's that brightness, alertness, um, and waking up in the morning chipper instead of, you know, just sluggish and you know, drugged acting, which is a lot of the kids I work with, um, are just on, you know, such high doses of their medications. So to sedate them from having seizures, basically. And um, one of the, you know, one of the goals of getting them onto keto is, of course, seizure control and then reducing any medication that may be causing these adverse effects. So and getting them hopefully just down to one seizure medication in the diet and maybe even if they're seizure free, getting them off of that medication. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a very, it's um, very tentative process that families have to have lots of patience for. And, and you know, most families just will do anything for their child. So they'll accept that challenge. Is this diet one that is embraced by the uh, functional medicine community? Like if you go to a functional medicine doctor, are they aware of this, you know, in the cornucopia of what they turn to? You know, if it's not, I would be shocked because there are ran several randomized controlled trials mm -hmm. for children um, specifically. There's trials in adults, they're not controlled and they're not randomized, but there's good uh, prospective studies in adults. But the, the most research in the gold standard research, which is that randomized controlled trial has mm -hmm. been done in children and published. Um, and so now there's consensus guidelines by international experts. We published in 20, 2008 and we just republished 2018. And I'm the second author on that paper. And it's a, it's a, um, uh, free access paper. You can just Google consensus 2018 um, ketogenic diet for epilepsy. You'll come across it. And so there's one for children that that's the one for children that I just mentioned. The one for adults was just published last week, I think. Okay. Well, that's really exciting. I know that um, when you're dealing with something like diet, where there's no money really and, and no, no prize, you know, no golden goose at the end for somebody to invest in that. It can be a long journey to getting randomized controlled studies that everybody says you have to have to, to prove it works. Mm -hmm. So congratulations on, on achieving that after all this time, it's, 
it's really exciting. You know, we're seeing like with COVID, there are so many. Oh, and, and that's one thing. Let me check the time here. Oh, we're doing good. Um, I noticed on your own personal website that you had a post about COVID-19 and you were mentioning my favorites, glutathione, vitamin D, and, and more of these nutrients to help support your immune system to be more resilient, you know, and resist infection, and then also help you overcome. I was just um, so pleased to see that. And so one of my question was, um, have you ever seen in your experience, it's not quite, you know, something like to, that would happen all the time, but if somebody does get a viral infection, does the ketogenic diet help you? Or do we automatically sort of turn to that? Because we turn to fasting a lot. When you don't feel well, you don't eat. And so maybe you do automatically put yourself, did I just answer my own question? <laughs> well, I love that you wanted to ask me this because I wrote that blog um, early in, in the COVID uh, history here because I wanted people to be empowered to protect themselves beyond wearing a mask and social distancing, which you yes. know we hear about every day, every day, every day. Right. Um, you can optimize your immune system by eating well. And mm -hmm. that it's huge. It's not just like, oh, I'll probably feel better. I won't get sick. No, you can prevent yourself from getting the virus. Um, and it appears that keto might provide additional unique defense against getting COVID-19. So I just want to explain that a little bit because it, it's kind of taken us back to what I talked about earlier. Um, it's well known that people with diabetes are more likely to have complications when infected with any virus, right? Mm -hmm. And especially serious complications with COVID-19. So ketogenic diet therapy is an anti-diabetic diet. Um, yeah, so it's being used. Uh, there's a company called Verta Health in California which isn't too far from you guys, um, the virtual health network that is using a liberal ketogenic diet for people with diabetes. And they've published, they have uh, you know, like hundreds of people in their study, they've published a couple of times. But because it, the ketogenic diet lowers glucose, mm -hmm. and then since it lowers glucose, you don't need as much insulin, right? So your insulin hormone gets rebalanced. It's not so your pancreas isn't so stressed out all the time. Your pancreas is like, it's a break. And so it can reverse type two diabetes. Um, so Johns Hopkins just launched a study last month to look at people who are really sick with COVID who have to be intubated, right? A breathing machine, um, putting them on a ketogenic formula through a feeding tube to see if they recover quicker than people that are on a regular high carb feeding tube. So that study just, uh, it's an NIH study that's been approved and they're recruiting. Wow, that's very exciting. I just wish they would marry it with HBOT instead of intubation because <laughs> intubation is 90% fatal and HBOT in the clinical trials and compassionate use is 90% successful. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm glad to hear that that these very simple, not very profitable, um, but potentially highly beneficial beneficial um, therapies are, are being tried. I, I, I just admire people who um, continue to, to push and 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 get these things going. It's it's very exciting. Now, I, you know, I know myself when I don't feel well 
I am one of those, you know, I just naturally don't get hungry. I'm not eating as much. I do my liquids. I also um, do the baking soda thing with the, the alkalized. What um, I've always, so our fats, the ketogenic diet, is it acidifying or alkalizing? Well, initially we know that people become acidic. So, cause ketones are acids, mm-hmm. um, but our bodies like to compensate. So we want people to neutralize and not be acidic because we know that a state of acidosis is not ideal. Yes. So I do have some people that are on alkaline, um, liquid, alkaline fluids, either, you know, baking soda with water is like the most simple one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in the hospital, we use um, an alkaline IV um, to neutralize them and then make sure they're not on medications that can cause acidosis. Some anti-seizure medications, for example, do. Mm-hmm. So we want um, not, no acidity. We want normal pH in people on keto. Um, and when they're acid, in fact, that's one of the labs that we follow. When they're in an acid state, we correct it. And we you know, try to find out why. Are they maybe not getting enough calories and they're burning muscle and burning their mm-hmm. own proteins or are they on one of these drugs or is it their microbiome that's not healing? You know, there's usually a reason that you can find before you treat them. Mm-hmm. This has been so exciting. We've got like one more minute to wrap up. So is there anything else that we didn't cover that you want to give us in one minute? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that um, if you go to charliefoundation.org, if, you're, if your interest is peaked, you're going to find a lot more about the different variations of ketogenic diets that we use for epilepsy, and then people have adopted them for other conditions. Um, but we have a lot of expert opinion videos. There's recipes there to try out. Um, and that list of hospitals and professionals that uh, work in private practice like myself. Well, that is so fantastic. I thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, Everybody, please check out the Charlie Foundation and um, go to, well, I'll have to put the link because I'm not going to spell this, but to your own website, I think we can find it from the charliefoundation.org. I can say that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so much good information. This is sort of what the show is about. We give you information. Uh, Lately, it's been not very encouraging information, but we want to make sure it's balanced with hope and healing and empowerment. And that's what Beth has brought us here today. So thank you, Beth. And thank you everybody for uh, joining and informed live radio. Everybody have a great weekend and we will see you next week. Take care. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, 
Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org.